morning to all you people online. I know it's going to be a good service. They played my favorite song. This is Amazing Grace. I recommend every week you just play that song two or three times. It'll just change your life. Listen to what they say, and, uh, well, it's just so good. Well, our message today is wholehearted prayer. A couple years ago, I was out in the commons area, the foyer, and if you've ever watched me out there, I'm always trying to meet new people. It's just almost like heaven out there. You can just meet new people. There's opportunities. There's great stories going on out there. It's one of my favorite places. Well, I ran into a young man who was kind of uh, crestfallen, and I said, hey, what's up? He said, well, I'm a salesman, and I'm not selling. Now, I've been a salesman before, and it's the best of the best and the worst of the worst. When you're selling, it's like the thrill of victory. When you're not selling, it's the agony of defeat. You think your life has just ended. You know, there's, there's nothing worse than a salesman not selling. So I said, well, we know it's God's will that you have a job and that uh, it's a simple thing. Let's just stop and pray. So we prayed. It was just one of those really profound prayers like, Lord, this guy needs a job. He needs a good job. He needs to be able to make sales and a couple other things. And that's about that much. It was about 30-second prayer. Two weeks later, he comes running up to me and said, you're not going to believe this. I knew exactly what he was going to say because I could tell by looking on his face that I was a leading salesman for the last two weeks. Things are changed. I'm doing well. Am I bragging on me? No. I'm bragging on the power of prayer. It is so important. It makes such a difference. In fact, we're going to talk about prayer. That's communicating with God, and it brings up all kinds of emotions. Those of you that are intercessors, you're saying, boy, it's about time Happy's talking on prayer. Those of you that are in the middle of the road, it's like, no, I, I need to brush up a little on my prayer. But there's another sad part of us that has quit praying. You don't believe it works. You've been frustrated. You're angry. You're bitter at God. He doesn't answer on time. He needs to get with it, all of those good things. And so we're going to look at that, but I'm going to convince you, I think, by the end of the day, I believe in prayer, and I want you to believe in prayer. Amen. But we're going to talk about wholehearted prayer, so I'm going to ratchet it up another level. This isn't just mutter kind of a little 30-second ditty. This is wholehearted prayer. What do I mean by that? Now, don't go getting nervous on me. Don't go thinking this is out of your realm. We're going to bring you some pointers, some practical tips, some things that will help you be more effective at prayer and watch uh, you just change your attitude on prayer. To get some help, we're going to look at the book of James. Isn't that been a delightful little book? I used to have a bad attitude about book until I realized, wait a minute. James is just, I think Mike might have said this in one of his earlier messages. James is this little book of pithy wisdom that helps you get a quick uh, snippet of God's wisdom so that you can live more fruitfully. Oh, wow. That's a good way of looking at it. He just gets right to the point. We'll see that when we look at his comments on prayer. By the way, I would recommend you read the book, put it down, read it in a month from now, read it another month from now, start getting at home in the book, and get that little prayer guide they put out, that little uh, Bible study they put out. I think you'd enjoy that. We've had some great messages on whole, 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 wholehearted devotion, faith, relationships. Uh, if you've missed any of those, go back and get it, because this is a practical, to-the-point book It'll change your life. Your fruitfulness will increase. We're going to see what James has to say about prayer, specifically wholehearted prayer. Let's ask God for his blessing. Father, in Jesus' name, you're the one that invited us to ask. You're the one who said we could pray over situations and things would change. Show us how to proceed with great fruitfulness in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Well, our passage today is James chapter 5, verses 13 to 18. I'm going to use the ESV. Lots of them say things slightly different, but I think we can tie them all together. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who's sick, and the Lord will raise him up. If he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Some translations say as it produces great results, wonderful results. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain for three years and six months. It did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and earth bore its fruit. Depending on your translation, I count the word prayer, prayed, or prayer used seven times in six verses. I told you, he gets to the point, he hits a point hard, and then he moves on. Hopefully, after I've read that, you're getting a little better attitude about prayer. Like, hey, if I'm suffering, I can get some help. If I'm sick, I can get healed. If there's sins going around in my life, I can get them taken care of. If you're a farmer, a landscaper, or work outside, you can actually control the weather. This is good news for some of you. (laughs) But before we proceed, I want to talk about two issues that mess us up because If I just read what I've read so far, I'd say, wow, sign me up. I'm a firm believer in prayer, but I know lots of people aren't. Two stumbling blocks that I see before we can go to these instructions. The first one has to do with the word righteous. Now listen, listen to what it says in James 5, 16. It says, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working or it produces wonderful results. When I used to, in my old understanding of righteousness, I used to think, some days I'm righteous and some days I'm not righteous. If I behaved, I was righteous. If I didn't behave, I was unrighteous. And I thought, well, that only works if you're a righteous person all the time. Well, I have some news for you. A lot of people stumble here. We get to think that righteousness is like this sweater. I can put it on or take it off. Not so. Righteousness is a gift from God that happened to you because of the work of the cross and salvation. Let me explain. The work of Jesus Christ through his death, burial, and resurrection is called the great exchange. He went to the cross as a perfect sinless sacrifice, righteous before God. He gave that to you in exchange for your messed up life. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He who knew no sin became sin so that you could become the righteousness of God. You get it? What he had, he gave to you. What you had, you gave to him. You are now righteous through and through and through and through. And even on your worst day, you're still righteous. Got it? That's important. You need to to say, yes, I think I got it. Say, I am righteous right now. I'm righteous right now. That's a stunning statement to a lot of Christians. You actually get in a fight if you tell some Christians that. They'll, They'll tell you, no, you're not. You're crazy. Well, you might be, but, you know, that's another story. We can talk about that in another message. So we're righteous. What does that mean? That means because we're righteous, holy, and we're worthy sons and daughters of God, we can hang out in his presence, and he can partner with us. Remember, God's not, he says to us to not be unequally yoked. Would he be unequally yoked? 
Would he want to hang out with you if you're unrighteous? No, he wants to hang out with you as a righteous person. So the work of the cross turns you from an unrighteous person into a righteous person. That's actually very, very good news. In fact, if you were to study the Bible, Abraham, one of the key figures of the Old Testament, Old Covenant, becomes righteous by faith. We become righteous by faith through Jesus Christ. But did you know Galatians, the book of Galatians says, the gift that Abraham received is yours, righteousness. It's a huge deal, but most of us stagger, we don't believe it, and we read a passage like this, and we say, well, I had a bad day, I'm not righteous, my prayers won't do any good. And we erase our opportunity to pray, and that's it. So now let's reread James with understanding that we are righteous people. That's us, you and me. Now listen to what it says. The prayer of a righteous person, you and me, has great power at his working, or it produces wonderful results. James goes on, and he takes a guy named Elijah and uses it to illustrate his point. He said, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He prayed fervently that it might not rain for three years and six months. It didn't rain on earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and earth bore fruit. This is a stunning statement if you're righteous. Are you righteous? Okay. I'm getting a lot of amens over here. It's helpful. See... <laughs> Somebody might be tracking with me. Thanks. So just keep it up. <laughs> Our prayers are to be powerful and make a difference. And he used Elijah. Elijah, if you really want to read this story, Elijah was a famous Old Testament prophet. If you don't know it, go to 1 Kings chapter 17 and 18. You'll read the story where he declares a drought over the land because King Ahab and Queen Jezebel were awful. They were creating chaos in the land. He says there won't be any rain. Then he finally goes to Mount Carmel. He has 700 prophets of Baal against him, and he calls fire down. And it's a great story. Read it with your family. Your kids will love it. Uh, you'll, you'll see the goodness of God. But it, it, it's what Jesus would call mountain-moving faith. No rain, then a, a, a great rainstorm. Fire from heaven. This is just, it's full of miracles right in there. But let me go to another teaching of Jesus where he says this. John the Baptist, he said one time, was the greatest person to live before Jesus came. Count the whole being of the Bible, John the Baptist was the greatest. Well, that would have to mean John the Baptist was greater than Elijah, right? He lived before him. But he goes on and makes a statement that I, I stagger at every time I read. He said, the least person in the new covenant, which all of us are in the new covenant, some of us feel like the least person, you're more powerful than John the Baptist and Elijah. So should our prayers make a difference? Yeah, they should. So because of that, God tells us, go use your power. You're the righteous one. You're sent to change the world. You're sent to extend my kingdom into people's lives, bring hope, healing, health, care, all those good things. And as, as part of God's family, he wants to take care of us. So you say, okay, why didn't it always work? Well, there's one other problem we have. Most of us have a wrong view of God. Now, let me tell you like this. We get to thinking the Bible is all about what you have to do to work hard to find God. But the Bible is actually a story of what God did to find you. Now, that makes a big difference in life. If it's his story of finding you, you read it different than if it's your story of finding him. If you try to read the Bible as, oh, I got to do this, and I got to do this, and I got to do this, you get really weary. You'll be, you'll be so tired at the end of chapter 1, you'll quit. <laughs> by chapter 10, you've pretty much laid the Bible down until next week, and by 
Halfway through the Bible, you're done. See, Jesus came looking for us. It was his idea. The father said, I want my kids back. He's determined he's going to come and get, put his arm. He's coming to you with open arms. He's coming to you wholeheartedly. So what if we've turned our paradigm from us pursuing God wholeheartedly to he's pursuing us wholeheartedly for a minute? Wholeheartedly, if you look it up, means energetic, enthusiastic. He's got zeal. He's all in. He's coming for you, lock, stock, and barrel. That's why I can freely say I'm his favorite kid. But I hope you would just look right at me. I see Pete's did. And I, I hope Pete just walks up and said, Happy, you made a big mistake. I'm number one, and you're number two. See, I hope you feel like he's after you. I hope he, you think I am the apple of God's eye. It'll change your response to God. But he's coming after you. In fact, he's so excited about you. But Jesus put passages in, the, in there in Matthew 7, 11. It says this, if you then who are evil, by comparison, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who do what? Ask him. Who pray to him. Who say, fill me up. Heal me. Help me. Let my prayers be powerful. Let them make a difference. Let, let, the re, the, let the presence of God live on me. And remember, who's inside of you? The Holy Spirit. Your big friend, your, your, your uh, big brother is Jesus Christ. Wow. We have the Father who controls everything, the big brother who sits at his right hand, and the Holy Spirit lives inside. We, we don't even understand who we are most of the time. But when we understand God's wholeheartedness toward us, how can we respond? He loved us so that we can love him. He loved us before we loved him. So if he's wholehearted toward us, we can respond wholeheartedly back. Why not? He's dead. How many of you, you parents just love, talking about you good parents, which I think is most of you, just love to give your kids things? You would give them everything you had. You just don't have everything. But I have news for you. Our father has everything. So I hope your faith is beginning to go up and you're beginning to say, you know, happy believes in prayer. Maybe I ought to believe in prayer. Yeah, that's, that's the point. That's where we're going on this whole thing. See, we're completely forgiven. We're righteous. We have the DNA of Jesus Christ flowing in our blood and we have access to the Father. I love Hebrews 4.16. It, it says this. It says, let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Why do I believe in prayer? Because it promises like that. And I know how big my father is and that he is on my side every time. He's for me. He loves me. So now, with our understanding that we're righteous, we're understanding that God is wholeheartedly on our side. He's pulling for us. Jesus is interceding for us. James is going to come. He's going to give us three advice things on what we do when we're suffering, what we do when we're in uh, sickness and what we do when we're in um, sin. See, real simple. I, I want you to notice though, a couple things as we go through. You'll notice that a lot of this is in community. Other people are going to be praying with you and for you. I just want to say something here. Part of our mission statement is encounter love. Now, I know there's this love with God and you fall in love with him, but do you know how you experience encounter love mostly? is through the family. You know, it's, it's God with flesh on them, is you and me. God lives inside of us, and the love we feel when we get together. You people online, I'm thrilled you're online. 
I'd be even more thrilled if you were here helping us, praying with us, working as we were praying for you. We're doing this thing together. So let's see what he says now in these three areas. I think you're going to find some real help for your prayer life. It's going to make a difference. You're going to become a a devoted believer in prayer after this. Okay, if you're suffering, let's go to James 5.13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. The cheerful ones evidently got through with their suffering. So now you can use the praise and worship time to really let the Lord know how thankful you are you're not suffering. To the rest of you, let me say what to do. Suffering could be translated as hardships, persecution, poverty, problem with jobs, family, your kids are going off the rails, you know, all those things that are common to human, the human race. What's the solution? Pray. I don't think he even just means you pray. That will work. But get somebody to pray with you. Just ask God to do something. You know, the Bible does say don't worry about anything. Just pray. So a few years ago, I was at a, a dinner here at the church one night. I was sitting at a table about eight or ten people. And there was a young man there wasn't saying much. And he's usually talking. So I said, hey, you know me. I always kind of ask you a question, kind of probing what's going on. And he's, I said, what's up with you? You're, you're not your usual self. He said, yeah, it's a tough day today. Our company just announced and in, applied a workforce reduction. I'm the last mechanical engineer hired. I'm the first one back out the door. He said, I just lost my job. Well, it's not easy to find mechanical engineering jobs. They're not just laying around. So I said, well, that's not God's will. God wants you to have a job. And in case any of you are sitting there and you don't have a job, just you know it's God's will. So you just ask God, pray. That means you get off the couch, you pray, you might go look for a job. But any rate, uh, that, I'm sorry, I went to meddling. I went to meddling there for a moment. Um, so I just prayed right there at the table. Again, one of my famous profound prayers, Lord, this guy needs a job. He's a mechanical engineer. He needs a good job. And Lord, just fix him up. And, uh, you know, it's not the words you say. It's do you believe. I believe God wanted to give him a job. Within five minutes at the dinner, I said, I got to go make a phone call. I just get up from the dinner and go make a phone call. That's probably not polite, but uh, I didn't really care at that time. I called, a fr- I, called a friend- I called a friend of mine, and I said, listen, I got a guy. I just found out he's available, and I know you hire engineers from time to time. He said, well, I'm glad you called me. I just ne- decided today I need another engineer. <laughs> Within one week, we had this young kid in a new job, better pay, better working conditions, uh, it was like, wow, how good does it get? Now, I prayed for other people, and it, it takes longer, and sometimes things don't work out. But I just want to tell you, prayer makes a difference. Prayer works. Prayer, see, be quick to pray. Somebody says there's got an issue, just say, can I pray for you right now? Because if they get a testimony, you can tell everybody, and God gets the glory. See how it works? See, it just all works in the big circle. What if you're sick? James 5.14 starts off like this. Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the save. That's the same word as sozo, or make healthy, make well. Will save the one who's sick, and the Lord will raise him up. Did you know it's actually God's plan to be healthy? Third John verse two says, uh, "I have no greater joy than that my children walk in health and, and they prosper and walk in health." Well, I'll, I'll take that. Isn't that what you moms and dads hope for your kids? I hope so. You don't want them sick half the time. You want them well. You want them to do well and, and be vibrant. 
Actually, if you read between the lines a little bit, James, when he says, is anybody sick? Kind of like, I don't think anybody would be sick. But is there anybody sick? So maybe he believed in divine health too. You know, he was the brother, the physical brother of the Lord Jesus himself. Um, But what does he say? He said, well, the solution is call the elders. Well, who are the elders? We don't make a big deal of elders, but elders are the more mature. They're the pastors, the small group leaders, ministry. There's some people been around here for ages that don't even have a title that I'd call real quick if I needed prayer. I know they know how to pray. I know they know God. I understand that. You know, that the ministry line up here, many of them are trained really well. That's part of our mission statement, experience transformation. You don't come out as a baby Christian learning how to pray for each other. You learn how to pray. I'll give you another place you can learn. Alpha, we have an alpha coming up here real shortly. Alpha is an amazing place to learn how to pray for people. And you'll get healing. And Alpha is the only single ministry this church has ever had that people get mad when it ends. That's an odd statement, isn't it? They say, I can't believe this is only 10 weeks. I wanted to stay in this for the rest of my life. Uh, try Alpha. It'll change your life. All right, that, that was just thrown in for free. What do you do? You pray. You anoint with oil. You pray in the name of Jesus. If you don't have oil, you can still pray in the name of Jesus. Oil, this, there's many ways to pray for people. Praying with oil is one way. We usually keep some up here if somebody hasn't walked off with it. But again, God will raise them up. You wouldn't believe people would walk off with stuff in a church, would you? But they do all the time. A couple of, two years ago, COVID had just started, and I found out a businessman friend of mine. I've known this guy for 40, 50 years. He doesn't come to here, but he's from the town. Well-known businessman. He was battling cancer. So I called him up. I said, I said, can I pray for you? He said, well, we can't get together. I said, well, that's okay. I'll just pray for you over the phone. He said, well, nobody's ever prayed for me. And all this time, I have doctors and stuff, but nobody's ever prayed for me. He said, I'd love you to pray. I prayed, and we asked for cancer to go away. I probably prayed two or three minutes and just prayed. I know him, prayed for his family and his kids and everything. And um, he said, waves of power come on. I feel heat. I said, well, that's a good sign, but let's let's see what happens. He started texting me, and he was getting... uh, he didn't have any more cancer come back into his life. And five days ago, he said, I haven't had another bout with cancer since you prayed. I thought, wow. You know, again, it's not the words I said. I believe God wanted to heal him. See, that's part of our mission statement, too. Extend the miraculous. God loaded you. You are loaded. You are a warrior sent into the behind the lines with all kinds of weapons on you. Use them. See, the power's in you. Let it flow out. Let it begin to work. And again, God does things over and over. I have to tell you, though, there have been other cases where I prayed, and I haven't seen it work right away. I wish it always worked. We're in a battle. We're in the kingdom is here, but not fully here. It's coming. There's more here today than yesterday, but there's still not enough here that we don't get every healing right now that we have an enemy we're fighting. That's a whole other teaching, the kingdom here, not here, how we work, how we do it. But again, I'm a believer in prayer. You mentioned you're not feeling well. I'm going to pray for you right now. Why? Because I want to see something begin to happen. I know God's will. Thirdly, what if you have sin issues? James 5.15 says, if he's committed sins, he'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. Note that little pray for one another. Community again, isn't it? It's hard to pray for one another all the time over the phone. You can do it from time to time, but it probably won't last forever praying over the phone. But if you know somebody up close and personal, it's good to pray. Now, let me just say something point blank. 
Your sins have been forgiven. They were, yeah. You know, when I, when I dictate, and I've dictated for 40, 50 years, I put periods in. I'll say so-and-so, period. When I leave phone messages, an uh, uh, actual voicemail, I'll, I'll be going, I'll say period. And the kids say, Dad, you don't need to say period. You're not dictating. So, but thank you over here. So, uh, okay, your sins were forgiven, past, present, future. They were all future when Jesus died, but they're all forgiven. Now, do we miss the mark in sin? I thought you said we were righteous. Yes, we are righteous, but righteous people can still sin or miss the mark. You don't lose your salvation for it. Here's what happens. You lose your confidence in approaching God. Your conscience begins to grind on you, and you won't come near. If you owed me $100, and you said you were paying me January 15th, and today's later than the 15th, then today's the 30th or something, and you saw me out in the commons, you probably would walk around me. Why? Because you don't have the $100 on you. And you think I'm mad at you. Well, I'm not really mad at you. I would like my money back, but, but you know, I'm not going to lose fellowship over $100. 500 we might have a talk, you know. Um, I've been listening to too many mafia movies. But anyway, <laughs> any rate, you don't lose your salvation. We lose our confidence. When you lose your confidence, you lose your ability to pray. Not from God's point. Sin doesn't hurt God. Sin hurts you and me. It drives us away from God. God doesn't turn his back. You know, you were taught God can't stand to view sin. He's done it for a long time. If he can't stand it, he, you know, I, I don't know how he's getting along. But at any rate, what's the solution? Confess your sins one to another. Pray for each other. Healing comes in community. You're encountering love. You're experiencing transformation. You know, you're standing in miraculous. I, as growing up, I raised five kids, and um, I was the bad cop in the family. I suppose that's no secret. Um, but I'd go overboard when the kids would do dumb things. I'd get really angry. And I, I hate... You hate getting angry at kids, but you're so mad at the stupidity that it's like. <laughs> but they were kids, and I was their dad, and I was way out of line. I'd ask their forgiveness. They'd forgive me. I'm surprised Julie survived. Um, she's my only daughter, but uh, she probably got less of it than most of the boys. The boys were mostly the brain-dead ones at times. But... Uh, but Finally, after trying this, I started confessing to my wife. I said, I can't help myself. And she said, yes, you can. Jesus will help you. And through her prayers and the prayers of some other good friends, I've, I've totally transformed. I, my grandkids wouldn't recognize the old guy, thankfully. They have a lot better deal than what I had. I love what Doral Johnson, a longtime member here, used to say. She said, when she first met me, I was a grizzly bear, slowly changed into a panda bear, and had become a white teddy bear. And uh, it's, isn't that darling, just a picture of me in white teddy bear? Sometimes it scares me a little that I'm not, I can't get fired up like I used to, but I think it's probably good. All right, what have we covered? We've covered suffering, we've covered sickness, we've covered sin. Three practical ways to deal with each of them. Right to the point, uh, it works, uh, it, it's supposed to produce wonderful results, uh, we've had understanding about righteousness, that we're righteous all the time. We've had understanding that God is the wholehearted one first, and we're simply responding wholeheartedly to him. 
We're not trying to work up wholeheartedness. We just respond in kind as he responds to us. And it's always in a family context. Now, doesn't this give you a whole different perspective on prayer? It's like, what have I been doing all these years? See, I believe in prayer. I want you to believe in prayer. Why? Because God gave it to us as a lifeline to bring heaven's goodness into our lives, into the lives of people around us. You're supposed to be a highly charged battery so that everywhere you go, there's power flowing out of you into that other person. It's not a hard life. It's a different life. We need to understand God's ways. Remember, the Bible is his story about finding us. These are his instructions about how we live our life to become more fruitful. Prayer's at the center of it. I promise to you is try it, and you'll like it. You'll see God move more than you've ever seen it in your life. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you, thank you, thank you for um, just really opening up our eyes to how good prayer is, what you're trying to do with us. Lord, give us confidence that when we speak to you, the goodness of uh, your kingdom flows through us into our lives or into the people we're praying for. Lord, let our faith produce wonderful results as we pray. Make us firm believers in Jesus' name. Amen.